What up, bros? What up, bros? I'm, I'm not even going to comment on that. Hey, welcome to Run Me 12. <laughs> Your boy meets World of Funcast. See, now you got me singing. You know what it was? It was because this was a holiday episode, and it got me kind of feeling like, I don't know, a little singy. Did you hear that uh, Missy Elliott was like... I was told a long time ago to stop having my singers like sing. And she was like, I want to bring back singing to R&B. And I was like, come on, Missy. First of all, who gave Missy Elliott notes? Sit your ass down. <laughs> Why is Missy listening to those notes? Like, do you think? She the whole like she that. actually listened. Her whole thing is that she was so original with her, you know, super duper fly. Yo, can we introduce our guest real fast? I'm sorry. I, wanna I, say, wanna... I, I was going to get there. Like, <laughs> as you guys can hear, uh, first of all, I'm Siege. Oh, yeah. I'm Tony Curtis. See, you talking about introducing other people. We ain't even introduced ourselves. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, this is Rummy Swell, your boy, Miss Fan Fancast. Uh, this week, we have a very special episode and a very special guest. Uh, please welcome to the pod, Nettie Smith from the Oh Hell Yes podcast. Hey, welcome. I mean, thank you for welcoming me, guys. Yeah. Um, I actually love you guys. I'm so excited to be here. Um, you guys have brought life to boy meets world analytic discussion podcast because some of the others i'm not trying to diss anybody but they didn't go as deep <laughs> as you sad. guys always go sad. so i love that you guys are, are kind of rejuvenating my love for those type of podcasts because i love boy meets world oh thank you so that's so nice to that's say awesome, and we didn't even man. pay her to say it i love oh, it of course not well not yet at least. <laughs> may i ask when did you first get introduced to the show boy meets world how did you find a love for it what did you fall in love with with the show if you did yeah i started watching this when it came out um as soon as in, in 1993 i was six years old and i watched it on tgif and i remember watching it probably all the way to like mid season one and then as the show progressed it got a little too grown for me um as being a you know six-year-old and then them trying to date and making out every five minutes i was like well this isn't my uh i'm not interested in any of this <laughs> and so i stopped watching for a while and then it got into syndication on abc family and i was like oh these are the episodes i missed these are cool and oh shit they got a black girl too i think i might actually uh -oh. check it out again so that's when around late season six i got back on there and started watching it on tgif and watched it all the way to the end after that and just caught everything in the middle on Disney and ABC Family. And it's just such a warm, fuzzy show. It, it's a great setup for like really good lessons, even though they sometimes don't go too deep into it. They only got 20 minutes. Yeah. But the setup for a lot of these situations and lessons is really good. And I feel like it ages well in that in that respect. Yo, so let me ask you this. So it seems as though the inclusion of Angela was a prime reason for you to get invested in the show. Yeah, because at that, I mean, before then, it was just like all these white characters. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> shit, they got someone like me on there. This might add, you know, I can see myself in this character. I can see I, and I was I grew up in like white type of like school sports i was a cheerleader i played softball little league and a lot of times i was active, the only active yeah <laughs> a lot of times you i was have the time only for black TV. person on yeah that's why part of the way, reason i stopped watching midway but 
yeah, I was a lot of times the only black girl in those situations. And it really, I really identified with Angela in that way. Yeah. Wow. Same, same, same. Yeah. And I love Sean and Angela though. I love them so much. So that's why I picked this episode. Well, this is one of my favorite episodes from them because that ending scene, even the actors, they be eating. Oh, they be eating they, these they scenes. Do. Well, I they make the other like, actors look like, what are y'all doing? <laughs> I think it's important to remember that Trina is like, a seasoned actor like she's oh, been yeah. in a few other things like i like looking back at it or listening to pod meets world uh it's very clear like this is like this is what these kids have been doing since they were 10 mm -hmm. um but they also have mostly been doing this show it's very interesting to see you know someone like trina who's been doing other shows for years yeah. to kind of like come in and and really bring that hey yeah i'm trying to add i'm trying to add right. to my this real ain't no kids you know for yeah me. This is, i'm a mom you know exactly. i'm a wife what are y'all <laughs> trying to feed some people off this talent <laughs> so thank you so much so this episode you said that you chose this episode because like we'll get into it but like how like how often do you watch this episode is this like one that you just go back to time and time again um, well, it's one of the ones um, I, I love the dynamic with uh, Sean and Angela. And I love the fact that you see people break up in these sitcoms and it's always for reasons where it's like, oh, I want, you know, I want to explore my, my host side or I want to, um, <laughs> which, they or, said which they've done, they've done on right? the show many times. Or you want to have sex and I don't, or, you know, whatever, whatever. But this, um, I, I don't know how, if I can go into it toward the end now, if we're going there right now, but having someone who two people who love each other but they one of them's just not ready to deal with those feelings or know how to mm. proceed mm. with those mm. type mm. of feelings mm. that is such a mature uh subject because yes you both can love each other but if you're not ready to make that commitment and sign that contract and one of you is it's like well what are we doing we we have to we have to separate i can't wait around ah you know? let's get into this because you are right this is this is why I'm really excited to talk about this episode. For those who don't know what we're talking about, uh, TC, do you want to give them up, the tell up. me about it? All right, let's do it. <laughs> I'm going to start low. I, I, I didn't get much Oh, sleep. all right, come on. Give us, give, give us some vocals. <laughs> tell us about it. Corey ruins Christmas. Effectively ending Angela and Sean, and Eric steals Christmas in his own con. <laughs> oh, that was great! Uh, that was like uh, you I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. Exactly, <laughs> that's what we got. <laughs> All right, so the other day, uh, T, I'm telling you this just a little, a little tangent because I was at a wedding, and they played My Girl, like The Temptations, My Girl, and let me tell you, I. Of course, of course, one of like two black people there. Three, to be fair, three. But I did the entire Temptations routine <laughs> from the movie. Hey. And I, I didn't know that I knew it. But I <laughs> and then, of course, the other black person. Uh, I wasn't the only like... person practicing David Ruffin moves. <laughs> exactly. I was like, what? And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the other black person came up to me, of course, and ran up. I was like, you know the choreography. And I was like, I didn't know I knew the choreography. But just... I thought you were bringing that up because that is Alan and Amy's wedding song. 
Oh, that's true. I forgot about oh, that. Whoa, when I I didn't know that. Well, I'm, I'm well. We've talked to me. And we got to go back four to seven. S- is my is my you know wheelhouse. So if this was one through three, I probably missed it. You know what? That's so funny you bring that up because this is season three where the monkeys were mm. on as a special ah, guest okay. and they performed at this rave. I think the episode's yeah. called Rave On. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's their wedding song. That's uh, thank nice. you guys so much. All right, let's get back to this episode. Uh, this uh, is season six, episode 11, Santa's Little Helpers. Now that Corey and Topanga both know that Sean and Angela still love each other, they have conflicting views on what to do about it. Especially when, unbeknownst to each other, Corey invites Sean to their family Christmas, while Topanga invites Angela. So the consequences are not exactly what he wants. In a B storyline, Eric takes his store Santa Claus job a little too seriously when he convinces Rachel and Jack to help him steal his family's gifts in order to make underprivileged children happy. Um, Nettie, what what was your first thought? Let's just have your first thoughts on this episode. Um, it's cute. It was cute. Um, what I didn't like was Eric's uh savior complex that went out of yes. hand mm, we're gonna yes. get deep into that because mm, you know, mm, I, mm. I'm all about being philanthropic during the holidays but mm. it bit him in the butt he he mm. went a little too far and mm-hmm. um that that's a thing and then also Sean and Angela with um <laughs> Corey and Topanga as kind of trying to put them back together but only having having such shallow emotions that they go, oh, they both love each other. They should be together. There we go. Bingo, bango. When that yeah. is, isn't always the case. You know? I mean, well, Topanga and Corey literally have, they're engaged to the first person who actually, right. you know, they dated for long periods of time. It's, so, it's so interesting because it's almost as if Corey and Topanga are the traditional sitcom um, couple. And Angela and Sean are there almost as if, a purposeful juxtaposition to say like, Hey, this is what a real world couple is in comparison. And I think that's why so many people relate to their relationship because it is so complicated. It's so much more relatable in a lot of ways, because how many of us are still with the first person we fell in love with? It just, it's just so much more um, common to have a relationship that's similar to Sean and Angela's. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I love how that's demonstrated here. I mean, Growing up, of course, everyone was like, oh, my God, Corey and Topanga, they're the perfect couple and we want to be like them. And I think, especially for me, it, it took a little bit to kind of realize that, oh, no, that's it's the couple. It's Sean and Angela, are the couple that they're the couple we're supposed to look at and go, this is how you maturely deal with feelings, you know? OK. Uh, and that, like that maturely <laughs> deal with feelings is definitely what I want to get in. Like I lo- like T, I like what you said as well, which is like maybe what we're dealing with right now is Corey and Topanga were written for traditional sitcoms. But what we get in the late 90s is this kind of like reinvention of television characters. And I'm wondering if Sean and Angelo are like this new type of sitcom, will they, won't they, that, you know, really started around friends and we're we're like a few years out from the Sopranos. So like this need to like actually show a little bit more realism on television rather than the of uh, the very classic sitcom couple that we get with Corey and Topanga. Well, one thing that I have to give the show like flowers for is that they've never abandoned Sean's trauma. And I think it's so interesting that amongst all the TGIF sitcoms, I can't think of one that deals with trauma in the way that this show does. And showing that Sean, even when he's completely in love with a woman, can't 
admit himself completely due to this trauma he has of you know his family breaking up so i just think it, it just it's so layered and complex and and i, I the episode really did from their perspective have a lot of meat on the bones i do share nutty's thoughts on eric's storyline but okay we'll get let's start off let's start from the very beginning so like in our opening scene i thought this was a little weird and i, I have a question for you guys so we start off with Feeney going around, putting little Christmas trees in the common area. And I was like, since when is, like, immediately, I was like, since when is Feeney this much about Christmas? Like, don't get me wrong. Like, we've seen previous Christmas episodes. Feeney being like, it's, I have my traditions. I do, uh, I read the Christmas Carol every year. Like, like I remember these things with Feeney, but I never saw him as a Christmas decorations have to be up type person. I, I think that's what this was showing that um, it's not just Christmas, it's Kwanzaa, it's, which they should have did a Kwanzaa episode. That would have been banging. Um, <laughs> you know, it's Hanukkah, it's all that stuff. So we're not going to put up the trees and, and things like that. Whereas other sitcoms at the time would have been like, this is it. Christmas is it. And Christmas is all we're doing. And I but think mentioning at least. The, they said the rest of the not, episode. Just yeah. Right. Christmas. But at least they brought it up. You know, at least they <laughs> I, said it. I also think it was like a political talking point at the time that they were like making comment on that, like this mm. whole like, hey, it's Xmas versus Christmas, all that shit that was going on at the time. Like, I think they were just commenting on it. This is before just, the cups, the Starbucks cups controversy. This was the first Starbucks cups controversy. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy to me, like how old this argument really is, because like I think at some point in time, I only became aware about it, like in the 2000s of like the problem of like removing Christ out of Christmas. Mm -hmm. But apparently this thing has been going on for years. Also, there is this really funny joke that Eric makes where he's like, hi, I'm Santa. You're an elf. Read your Bible. Like, yeah. oh, yeah, there's like there's like weird God Bible stuff littered throughout the episode. That's kind of its own thing. But very true, because that's another thing to me. It's like that's that's blasphemous it's like so are y'all christians or are you not like where where are we at where are we going on with this and like don't get me wrong it's a very funny joke i thought but it's just like for you to be like oh there's no christ in christmas but also i'm a i'm santa read your bible uh yeah. i don't know a little mixed messaging i don't want to bring it back to pod meets world if y'all don't want to but on pod meets world um they did mention that they weren't allowed to mention the word god in the first few seasons of their show, they couldn't say like, oh my God. Yeah. They would have to say, oh my gosh. So I feel like they, they'll talk about the Bible and they'll have a scene where Eric's looking up to the sky and saying, why did you, not God, but why did you send me this person? I don't think he mentions God in that, in that monologue, but well, it's implied. I I will say that the exception to that may be sh uh, when Turner has his motorcycle accident because Sean yes. is explicitly calling out for God right. to give him comfort. Um, but you're I right. I can't, I can't, I don't remember it happening outside of that episode very often. Mm -hmm. And I do remember the, oh my gosh thing happening. I yeah. also remember the cast of the pod talking about how their show was just kind of like interfaith and there was Jewish faith and there was Christian faith, like all kind of represented on the set and like mm -hmm. these various ways. So I think maybe the reason why there's not like a clear ideological path communicated through the show is because there wasn't really a cohesive one on set either, perhaps. Mm. Yeah. I that, like, I just wanted to like, it was just weird to me that Feeney became like, Christmas's champion out of nowhere, it seemed, this season. And it really felt like, like they just wanted to give him that viewpoint. 
Um, so that's that's why I wanted to call it out. Um, but this does like I'm gonna do a really quick roll call because we get several people in this episode that we're gonna come back to later. But um, we get our first roll call, which is Patrick Cranshaw as the custodian. Uh, and what was even more interesting to me is he had two scenes. I was like, all right, come on with your your side. I was like, who does he know on set? Who is yeah, that? exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Whose who's uncle is he? <laughs> um, so okay, we have this whole Christmas tradition. Uh, Eric comes in, and do we want to? I'll say this: Do we want to do the Eric storyline first? Or do we want to really dive into? Let's save it. Let's save it. Let's let's focus on the the A story for. for okay, now. so with the A storyline, Corey says something along the lines of, "You shouldn't be alone, Sean. Come and spend Christmas with us." Well, and- actually, what he casually throws out there is that Sean, your dad's missing again. You know how he just goes <laughs> missing every other month, right? Like, yeah, he just says it so casually, and like we as the audience are just like, "Yeah, sure, that checks out." Yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, it is. Chet, not <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. We're so callous to it. We're just like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're missing dad. Right. Yeah. Next. <laughs> and so he invites them. He invites Sean to their Christmas, which again, it's like, it's weird that he has to ask because at this point in time, it'd be like, all right, so you're spending Christmas with us. It's like, why are right. you even like Sean would not feel like he's imposing. What are you talking about? Sean has but, spent every Christmas with the Matthews for the last like six years. Yeah, so it's expected. weird that they would do that. And then you get Topanga, who's like, uh, she invites Angela. And I was like, automatically, why are you two not talking? Three, you guys spend all your time together anyway. Why is it suddenly weird that the four of you will be in the exact same place? Three, are we not going to acknowledge that Sean will also be spending Christmas with Jack, his brother. And like, like I was like, his brother is at Christmas. And y'all just like, they're like, I don't know. Yeah. It was really funny to me. It feels like Jack and Sean are only brothers on paper. Like they, he was going to yes. go to the Bahamas. He wasn't even going to spend it with his brother. Nothing. There was, this would have been a great time to build a new tradition and create something with your half brother who you met a few years, a year ago, not even, whatever. And he was about well, to go well, to the Bahamas. Nettie, I will just say this. They already had that storyline last year where they were stuck having Christmas together and trying to figure out how to spend it with each other. Oh, ice and then they ended up going ice skating. So since they already had that storyline, they're out. They're out yeah, of I ideas. Mean, like but it's so funny that you say that. They go ice skating later in this episode. Why is this not the tradition that um, right. Jack and Sean do? again this year like and also, then or even your acknowledge po- go ahead i'm just uh, gonna say even acknowledge the fact that like if jack was like hey i'm sorry i can't make it this year i'm working oh really quickly like that would have been a simple fix <laughs> or the fact that jack has never had any like oh i think i want to try to get in touch with my father who lives in the area or like <laughs> that's never been a thing that's happened since he moved to philadelphia now chet's missing okay whatever but like he's just never had like an instinct to connect with his family even though he was introduced to us being like hey i moved to philadelphia with the hopes of connecting with my family right 
Well, we know this show doesn't stick to storylines. I mean, you're right. last year, you're right. the family had an aluminum tree, and they always had an aluminum tree, and now this year, they got a regular oh, tree. Oh, come on. You're, you're so Corey right. went caroling this year, and we know last year, he said, I no. don't sing. I don't All carol. of these changes are because of Topanga, because last year, they're like, hey, we're not going to wait to the last minute to go to Vermont again. I'm going to get this tree <laughs> from the jump. <laughs> Yo, can, right. I just, can I just That's also true. point out how like I, as a as like an adult I was like oh so Corey you're just gonna show up at your parents house and be like oh by the way we have extra people I was like dude you you huh. really don't care about anybody like I mean just you, give us a phone call a simple phone call hey we, we're white dad. we got family. two more people coming no you're right you're right Nettie but my families do. are a little more lenient like that uh, no yeah you, like you just show but by the way just show it up and being like, I brought more people. No. <laughs> I hope that's okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. There's a scene that we're kind of like jumping ahead, but there's a scene where like everyone arrives at the house, but Jack and Eric and um, Rachel. Rachel are leaving and they're like, hey! And they're oh like, my God. Like, that was like, says, I never see those guys. And I was like, that is hilarious, and it's like it—it's not played for laughs the way that I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. But that is totally an in joke. On you guys go to the same school. You were at the same quad, uh, common room area. <laughs> you were at the same Christmas, and your storylines have nothing to do with each other. <laughs> yeah, someone well, wrote mean, that in. They knew. They knew. Eric does steal their gifts, so they're kind of connected. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, you know what's so super funny is that I read that scene as being very awkward as like a an audience member. Like if you're just kind of watching this, you're just like, why is it that they just have this kind of awkward, very like shallow exchange at the door? It's like, you guys should be closer friends than this. It shouldn't be this like, oh, I haven't seen you in forever. It just really created even more distance between those relationships. If you're just looking at it from a story perspective, but to Siege's point, the meta-ness of, them commenting on the fact that they never see each other is really hilarious and I didn't pick up on that the first time. Yeah. Well, what's funny to me is in reality, like I don't even know if it was written that way. It just honestly it felt like it felt like Ben Savage, like it was like one of the takes that was funny. You know what I mean? But like just just this idea of they were like, (laughs) and then you guys greet each other in passing and you leave. And they were like, oh yeah, you know, like again, it's like we never have scenes together. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Does Topanga have the authority to invite people to Thank her you. fiance's house? She's Thank barely you. in the family. Like Corey can invite, but Topanga going, yeah, they're my family too. You can come along. But you know what? After last Christmas and all the shit Topanga pulled last Christmas, right. I don't put it past her. She oh, yeah. didn't care about anybody else last Christmas. So it, it, her being inconsiderate, it, Corey is rubbing off on her in the worst ways possible. <sighs> Oh, Corey rubbing off on her in the worst ways possible is part of this because I like this idea of going back to the quad where uh, they tell Topanga and Corey tell each other, hey, I invited so-and-so, which by the way, Corey goes, hey, quick change of plans. I invited Sean. And I was like, all right, that's not how that works. Well, what he says is Sean's bunking in my room. So the sex is off. And he does the sex moves with his back. So you and that, yeah, that, I was like, oh, poor Topanga. I looked at that and I was like, oh, Topanga, mm, it can't be good. It can't be good. <laughs> it can't. You, if you guys are, like, they literally said our first Christmas as an engaged couple, which is a really big deal. 
we're not going to be spending it with each other. I invited my friend. I'm prioritizing him. And then also I'm letting you know after the fact. Like as someone who is, is engaged, I wouldn't tell my fiance, hey, by the way, I changed our Christmas plans. And, <laughs> and that's just how it is. I would be like, hey, I want to do this. Or do you mind if I do this? It's like we're already starting off on a negative foot in terms of communication. They also don't make any effort to do anything for each other at all. Like it's only focused on this other couple. And I also have to point out that like them kind of like gaslighting their friends to be in a situation where it's like, well, you're already packed. You're already here. Like, sorry, we didn't tell you ahead of time, but it's going to be too awkward if you leave. Like that's a shitty position to put your friends in. Like maybe Sean would prefer to spend Christmas with his brother rather than his ex-girlfriend. But like, you didn't even give him the option, like the agency to make that choice. It's just like classic Corey at this point, classic Corey. And not to mention the stress of being a black girl spending Christmas with a white family and trying Mm. to, do their uh wonder what their traditions are and if they align with yours for all we know angela celebrates kwanzaa too like who who know who who says she celebrates christmas we don't know but that could be stressful i was gonna say you know their macaroni and cheese was not hitting at that dinner like raisins or peaches or something up in that john you and, just know that dinner came and they were like angela we made you some mac and cheese yep. and it was it's crashed. next to the and, green bean casserole oh and she's like okay i don't want to be rude i'm just gonna <laughs> i'll try it I'm exactly exactly it's like sean i think we should go back to the college to have this chat oh okay um, wait, 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 grab wait. a cheesesteak oh, on the that, way you know what I, you're getting ahead of me because i have that in my notes all okay. right so Corey and topanga i do wanted to talk about their dynamic because you're right t they don't they don't really acknowledge each other and a to me it's weird in the fact that Corey and topanga this is their first christmas as an engaged couple and they spend all of it just focused on Angela and Sean, they don't really communicate with each other in the way that they should be doing. And then they both kind of make a bigger deal about them all spending Christmas together than would make sense to me for, again, all four of you are constantly spending time together in college. And Sean has regularly spent Christmas with them. So if anything, the new addition would be Angela joining but it shouldn't be that weird of a thing. It you should absolutely give them a heads up. But like it's it doesn't have to be this weird. Y'all are making it weirder by like you know what I mean? Talking about it every 5 minutes and bringing it up and pointing I, it out. Yeah, because it's weird that Corey and Topanga are like, "Oh, we have to do this for Angela and Sean" when neither Angela and Sean were like, "Hey, I want this. I want to get back together. I want to spend Christmas with this other person." They're just kind of projecting a bunch of their own insecurities of not having an a significant other and their own like codependency issues they're kind of like projecting that on, onto sean and other people um because no one's saying sean uh no one's saying to Corey or topanga please help me kind of organize ways to get together but Corey's like sean and angela want to put the popcorn together sean and angela want to stand underneath the mistletoe and i'm just like bro like please ex- respect someone's like boundaries ex- respect someone's communication like respect your friends be a good friend what do you think about Corey and topanga uh keeping secrets from each other i mean Corey has a problem keeping secrets in general so you have to keep stuff from him sometimes uh he's 
that's the, I feel like that's the reason why uh, Topanga wouldn't want to tell him anything. I don't even know why Angela told him a secret. Like, did we really think this was gonna this was gonna be in the vault forever? Because we know how Corey operates. So, yeah, you're right. Fiancés usually are you know open with each other, but I think when you're dealing with Corey Matthews, you tell him, you tell the world, and that's a problem. I also just attribute a lot of this to just lazy sitcom writing because I I think that all of this whole episode depends on poor communication that like the whole conflict of the first storyline could have been avoided with just an open dialogue between four friends hey do the four of us want to spend christmas together think about it let me know like it would have just avoided the whole conflict so it's just there's so many points where i'm just like they're being forced to be together in ways that really don't make sense for them to be forced to be together. So I, I, I don't know. I, I just thought it was kind of lazy. I love that you said that because in reality, I didn't realize I'm trying to, I'm trying to put, make a meal out of what I was given. And I was like, what you said, it's just lazy writing. I was like, you know what? You're right. Why, why am I trying to make this work? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I'm being, uh, these are real people. Like I'm just yeah. like, yeah, forgot that they're puppets on a string pretty much. Yeah. Absolutely. Perfect, perfect. I, I also want to just say, for me, it was very cringy that Sean and Angela had this first reuniting kiss under the mistletoe in front of Corey's entire family. Like, if I were Alan and Amy, I would go on a cruise next year. Like, these kids are constantly... <laughs> Oh, taking over our Christmas. Topanga made us go to Vermont twice, like the last year. This time, Eric stole all our gifts and Corey invited all these people over. I just want to like do our own thing. I would hope they would. Yeah, Amy's pregnant, and this is the first time we've seen like a real belly Amy. And I was like, oh yeah, there's another baby on the way this Christmas, and nothing. Like absolutely no time with the parents, no checking in on Amy. Uh, she loses her toaster, <laughs> like, like, and her yeah. breast pump, and her I, breast pump. That's it's right, like, yo. How bringing life into the world? How many gifts were for the baby that got stolen? Oh, we'll we'll get there. We'll get <laughs> that's there. a really good point. Like, also, like, just think about it. You were talking earlier. They get more mouths to feed. They lose their Christmas presents. <laughs> we know that they are a middle class family. Like they, they can't just be replacing these things. If I were Morgan, I would hate my brothers. I would hate them. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good point. Like absolutely. Like she didn't even get to string up the popcorn this Christmas. This is a terrible Christmas for Morgan. Like you just know. You're right. This is why I, she doesn't come around that often when she's older. <laughs> like on the list of like neglected siblings, she's like right there above family matters. Judy? Like, yeah, Judy. Like she's like <laughs> right above there. Like yeah, she stuck I, around to the end. I love and Corey throws popcorn in her face. That's that, what happens. Yeah, she does. I I love that the three of us, like you said, she's right up there, and you knew that he meant Judy. The and I knew that he meant Judy say. before he even finished. <laughs> And this is just like that black connectivity that I really, <laughs> really enjoy. Uh, okay, I also, talking about that kiss on the set, first of all, the mistletoe thing, I was like, all right, you are being obvious. But then like the switching on the lights and then just like suddenly being, oh, I really love Christmas. And I was like, oh my God, what are we in a Lifetime movie? This is crazy. Yeah. But that the kiss- The Christmas spirit. That kiss- I was like, oh, y'all going in. Well, I mean, <laughs> these two have never not had chemistry. Let's be real. But that kiss was made for Showtime. I was like, what okay. is going on? It? It's it's interesting now watching it, knowing that uh, Trina is like 
10 years older than Ryder. Like, that there's actually a massive age gap and there's still, like, co- uh, uh, chemistry there is really interesting yeah. now to see that in retrospect. Um, yeah. I, I also would just want to say, Corey meddling, as usual, I was like, it's always upsetting because he mostly meddles to get what he wants. And he's, yeah. he tries to sell it as, oh, I'm helping my friends. But like part of helping your friends is understanding this is not what they want right now. Like the number of times where I'm like, oh, well, I know what you actually want, but you don't know that. And it will mean nothing for me to give it to you if you don't want to nourish it. Like that's that's what we're dealing with this episode. It's Corey being like, oh, no. I want them to be together. And I got like a hint that they want to be together as well. So I'm going to just make it happen. And yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, I disagree. That's not what we're dealing with this episode. That's what we're dealing with in general. This is happening so consistently that this is just Corey's personality trait. This is just who he is as a person. This is every episode for the last season. Like, he has been this way. So, like, it's not an episode thing. This is just Corey's a dick in college. Yeah, and I feel like he, if he wants them together, it's just because he doesn't want awkwardness within the, the, the friends group. So it's not even about, I mean, he's creating more awkwardness, but it's definitely about him in that he wants us all to be together for the rest of our lives and these grand statements that he always makes, so. Yeah, I agree. It's it is it's, about him. It's always about him. It's so Me interesting too. to learn how um, Michael Jacobs, the star, uh, the creator of the show, was kind of obsessed with the show Happy Days. And Boy Meets World was kind of his attempt to kind of recreate Happy Days, even though we had long passed that traditional um, those traditional archetypes. And Corey, the main character, is also trying to recreate those traditional archetypes, even though the times aren't really allowing him to do so. It's interesting how that's being mirrored throughout the show. All right. So, I, A, I'm going to really take that call out where you're right, where it's like, it's not this episode specific. This is just who Corey is now, which I think is weird to me because, like, we've been doing this for a while and I'm used to him being this way every once in a while in a season but i think you're right this has just been his arc which is kind of sad but also probably very true to life just like you get to a certain age at 19 and you're just like oh me me and my wants yeah um so but to that point when he just goes to sean he's like look i it's that thing where it's like Corey was like <laughs> i held a secret for 45 minutes i think i've done enough <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then he just goes and he goes I already know. And then Sean immediately is like, how do you know? Which I thought was interesting, where it's like, instead of getting uh, immediately upset at Corey, for, he's like, wait, how do you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Who told and you? then immediately he was like, don't bring me to Topanga. <laughs> <laughs> and then, again, Corey did this thing where he like tried to make everyone, everyone be culpable. And he was like, Topanga, tell him that you were just telling Angela that Sean still has feelings for her. And she was like, I wasn't because that's what we agreed not to do. <laughs> I thought if I were Sean, I would be done with Corey and Topanga. Corey, you just read this poem that I told you I didn't want to read and like betrayed me in such a way that I had called you out in such a serious manner that there's like problems in our friendship. 
And now for me to try to confide into Panga, who I felt like, hey, I can't really depend on Corey to be open with. Maybe I can confide in you and try to build this relationship. And for her to let him down, I yeah, I'm done. I'm done. Like, who do I have in my corner at this point? Like, it's 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 a very lonely time to be Sean right now because he really doesn't have friends that he can feels like he can trust, and his friends are not even trying to listen to what his needs are. Like, it's a very frustrating thing. Yeah, it's trauma upon trauma. Like, it's it's a trust thing that it's always historically been a thing with Sean to where people in his life has let have let him down, and now his friends are doing it, and his girlfriend or who. I guess they're not together in this episode, but the girl he loves wants to move on without him. And he is feeling very lonely at this point during Christmas. And it's going to get just as bad next season too. For Christmas. Well, so this is what that. I want to acknowledge. <laughs> Topanga does. Topanga's not trying to force them together. Right. Topanga's not trying to like recreate this thing. And when we come back and like Corey brings everyone over, Topanga actually was like, that's not what I was talking about. So... I'm in this way of like, I don't know if Topanga actually betrayed Sean. Like, I know that she did, and I know that Sean probably feels like she does, but I also feel like Topanga told her fiance, which is expected. And then she wasn't trying to like make things happen. That's a Corey thing. And but Topanga like, should know Corey enough to know that Corey's exactly. gonna be Corey. I agree. This is why I asked the question in the beginning. Was she wrong to tell? To tell him? <laughs> like she did tell her fiance, which is okay. That's her fiance, but she also told Sean's best friend, which is this. He said not to tell Corey, and you know we can't tell Corey shit. So, and she went and did it anyway. So I feel like it's a betrayal. Um, the last thing I was going to say is in this particular scene when Angela goes, somebody should start talking. And then she goes, and it should be you and me talking to Sean. I was like, that's actually very mature. Because oh, instead right. of this whole, like, you know, I want someone to explain it to me. She's like, no, no, no. The actual situation that needs to happen more than anything is that you and I, I Sean, aren't speaking to each other. And that's the only reason why this situation can exist. Well, that's an oh, hell yes moment for sure. Hell yeah. Because <laughs> um, at first I was like, she's like, oh, someone needs to start talking. I'm like thinking she's going to be like, it needs to be everyone. But she goes, and it should be us. Yep. So I like that a lot. I love her attitude. I love her sass. Because it's get to the point. Yeah. Say the thing. All right. Then right after that, we, as T, you put it out. Angela and Sean apparently drive back to campus. And I was like, why are we all the way back at campus? Was there not a coffee shop? Was there sure. not a bar between like it's like I know that it's a television set thing but like they could have been on the back porch like I just it was weird to me that they quote unquote drove all the way like where is this college campus is it across the street <laughs> like who, what are we doing no idea I mean back porch is cold so probably not but yeah there should be somewhere else obviously it's a set thing but do they have cars do we know how they're getting around places no idea no idea who like, owns a vehicle who's taking public transportation it's never talked about <laughs> Well, this is my thing. It's like we like it's not just the college campus set that we have. Like we could have did Jack and Eric's place. Like, why do we go back to campus? Is it, that is closed and locked again? This is just what, why do we go back to our dorm rooms? Like, it's just it's a crazy thing to me that they went back to the 
the student center. <laughs> my my guess would be from a practical standpoint that those sets were being used by other locations. Like the, the Matthews set is when it's not being used as the Matthews living room, it's being used as the boys dorm or whatever. Like, I think that's the only kind of explanation for it. Um, because you're right. Like, it doesn't really make sense. And like, why not go somewhere more private to have such an intimate conversation? Yeah. How they know it would be empty there and that the janitor would actually let them in. Cause I've, you know, most janitors would just be like, nah, it's closed. You're not supposed to be here. Why are y'all here on campus? Or this is closed for the holidays. Exactly. So he was like, oh, no, no worries. Come on in. I'll, yeah, yeah, take a seat. They had to give Patrick Crenshaw one more line. <laughs> <laughs> you guys had talked about the chemistry between Sean and Angela in the scene, and I thought their acting was really, really good in this. From from both writer, but especially from Trina McGee. I just thought that she did a fantastic job with that entire scene. Yeah, she always slays. Always. Um, but the fact that these two were brought together as actors to do these scenes, oh, it's just... And the carry, the, the gravity of such seriousness is just... I can't imagine what if they had just done it wrong and this didn't work out as picking the right people. Cause there's a lot of people from what we hear that were up for Angela. Um, so I'm yeah. glad it was these two. How do you feel? Like I was, I love just looking at the conversations that Sean and Angela had. Angela is very much like a, no, I'm not mistaken by this. Like I love you. I've always loved you and I want to be with you. I just need you to be there with me. And she said something about this idea of like Sean being in love with someone who loves him back. And I was like, oh, that's very interesting that mm. Sean would have a struggle with being in a relationship with someone who returns those feelings. Because as we've talked about with the trauma, Sean is used to neglect. Like, if anything, that's probably why he can be friends with Corey, because he's very much like, Yo, Corey doesn't really respect me. And that is the kind of love that I'm used to. And Corey's distracted with Topanga, so I'm not getting like attention all the time, which is something I'm not used to as well. Hmm. And so I'm not getting I attention from my older half-brother either because he's too busy with his friends and Eric and all that stuff. So, yeah, I totally get This is different for him, and he doesn't know what to do with this. Sean is used to neglect and neglect is how he experiences love or as you said like not full attention and the idea that Andrew's like hey I'm willing to give you my all that's a lot for someone like him and I honestly appreciate that Sean's like that's I don't know if I can take that and I think it's so interesting because it's seen as a very sad thing which I will say it is kind of sad but it's also the right call it is so the right call to be like look i am not emotionally mature enough to do this and it's the right call for angela to be like okay well then we're done angela's in college she's gorgeous like she needs a good hotation she really needs <laughs> to like move on if if why wait around why waste these best years like yeah. let's go you know yeah, so, give me an yeah. Angela Hotation episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I have a question for you guys. Angela and Sean break up because they have this conversation where she, Angela's like, I love you. And Sean's like, I'm scared. And Angela's like, okay, I can't waste my time. Um, is their breakup Corey's fault or did he just speed up an inevitable timeline that was going to happen anyway? I think two things can be true at once. I feel like he absolutely 
sped up a conversation that they were avoiding having. However, um, that means that he is kind of like he forced their hands. He forced the conversation. And that's that's on him. I mean, Corey did kind of speed it up, but they were already heading down that road of let's kind of explore other options anyway. To see just point that two things can be true. I think that um, Corey did interfere in their relationship because I think if if like if you're sitting on something, if you're trying to figure out how you feel about something and someone comes to you one day and they're like gun to your head, you have to make a choice right now. And it's like, well, if, if I have to choose right now, then I'm going to say no, because I haven't thought everything through. But if you came back to me in two weeks and I've had time to consider everything, like maybe I would. So I, I, I do think the fact that Corey kind of forced them to have this conversation did contribute to her just being like, it's, it's off, but that's probably something that's ultimately better for Angela anyway. So I don't want to give Corey credit in any way, but I just feel like the outcome is something that benefited Angela more than anyone else. Tis the season to get dick down. Go Hell get yeah. down. <laughs> that kind of concludes our A storyline, really. Yep. B storyline. Are you guys ready to talk about Santa Claus Eric? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> hold on, hold on. Look at y'all faces. Like, yeah, we gotta. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this brings me back to my other roll call. There are very interesting roll calls on this. First of all, we get Dorian Wilson as the manager of the store. For those of who don't know, Dorian Wilson plays. Uh, he's a very big uh, character actor in the '90s, and he's mm. actually been in a lot of like. TGIF shows and yep. various things, but uh, this is from the Parkers. Yeah, <laughs> Mr. Ogilvy, Professor Ogilvy. <laughs> yeah. I was like, it's so funny to me because to see him in this role, I was like, I bet you they don't even know they're in black royalty. You know, like no. they're in the presence of black royalty. They have no idea. <laughs> like we need an actor to play the manager. He got it. He got the role. When he showed up, I immediately was like, black person. Like, <laughs> like I just, it's so funny that even with Angela on the show. I was like, oh, people of color are in this episode. That's great. Yeah. Good <laughs> yeah. little of, color for Christmas. Speaking of continuing this uh, roll call, we get Penny Bay Bridges as Lucy, who again, I was like, uh, person of color, little black girl, look at this. She's the second child we see. The okay. first kid we see is this kid named uh, Edgar who is the one who pinches Rachel's butt. Can we and talk about that for like five seconds? Yeah, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about that. There's no reason for Rachel to be sexualized in this episode, yet they shoehorned a way in for her to be sexualized. Like, through a it, child. Through a through child. Through a child. And this is a like this is a kid in real life too, like who? Yeah. Which, I mean, did he really pinch her butt? That was his direction as an Probably. actor? Probably. Like, hey kid, touch this, this grown woman's butt. Jake and his parents Saxon. were like, yeah. It's my son. Jake Saxon played Edgar. Uh, this is the 90s. It's a wild, wild he, west. He was also in like quite a few things. Like, I thought the kid actors, what's funny to me, and no offense, but eventually we get to J.B. Gaynor, who plays Tommy. And I thought all the kid actors did really well, with the exception of Tommy. I thought Tommy was the one who struggled the most, the one who I felt like was really... Yeah. being fed at his lines the most. And I was like, it's funny that this is the one who they cast when, like, Edgar nailed his role. 
Lucy nailed her lines. Like every every other kid was giving it to me, but I just feel yeah, like he wasn't given. The dude who the kid who played Tommy was the one who like had the most like cute factor. I don't even I don't know how to say. Yeah, I think they picked him just simply for the look. He kind of mm-hmm. almost looks like Eric. Um, That's exactly. I it. did notice the way he was saying his lines was almost like they cut and they were like, "Okay, cut now. Say this." Kind of like how they did um the fourth the first Morgan that they yeah. had very similar to that and there were times where it looked like tommy was almost looking into the camera when he shouldn't have been like he was looking over like he's getting cues or something off screen yeah he wasn't that good <laughs> i have a lot of thoughts about that yeah they give, give us a thought that, no i just had a podcast to talk about <laughs> I, I, i'm just saying that like in general Eric has a savior complex, and I think it's just very interesting that the kid he ends up trying to save is one that looks exactly like him. Ooh. That's Ooh. meta. Because that that's almost like how people, well, Michael Jacobs, the creator of the show, is basically Corey. So yeah. he's writing his life through Corey in that same way, and probably sometimes rewriting what he wished had happened to him. Mm-hmm. And so it's, you know, it happens. It happens with these, these situations. I love that you pointed that. That's a great call out to say that, mm-hmm. hey, the savior complex is something I definitely wanted to talk on because I was watching it and it was like, it becomes like what starts off as good intentions gets out of control very quickly. And I do like that, like you get Jack in these moments where he's like, uh-oh, like, like, like <laughs> I can see that a thought has taken root and we are not on a good path because these Matthew boys don't know how to let anything go. They become obsessive and they really take it too far. So I liked that they kind of like acknowledged that just with Jack being like, uh-oh, we are we are going places with this. I didn't like the idea of Eric being like, this is Santa's dad's credit card. Yo, Alan is paying for this Christmas and he didn't even get his drill bit. <laughs> he has funded Christmas for half of Philadelphia at this point in time. He feeding all of their friends and this man don't run a grocery store anymore like food is expensive i thought that eric's actions were irresponsible from the get i thought that he started an impossible standard by providing gifts to um an orphanage of kids he did it entirely by using either jack's money or his dad's credit card that making no personal sacrifices of his own just like very excited to spend other people's money to do this thing that he thought made like it's truly just that made that he'll take credit for and just made himself feel good like i think that's the big thing is that i wish they had put more of an emphasis on the individual kids and like the group of them wanting to help the children but at points it just felt like eric was doing this for his own self-gratification and i think that's the biggest thing that like coming right after the truman show episode where he held his roommates (laughs) hostage in an apartment to now stealing his entire family's gifts because he's convinced himself he's on the mission from god to like save poor kids like it's just a lot like it's really it's a lot and it's making me like like eric less I want yeah. the world's happiness to be my responsibility. And it's just like, first of all, scary quote. That is scary quote. like, also, I was looking at this being like, where is the manager? You can't just be giving kids, you know, you can't just give kids stuff. And like, what, where are the adults in this orphanage where you're just like, yeah. we brought kids here to meet Santa. They're coming back with appliances. You gave a child <laughs> a toaster oven. 
Like, what are you doing? <laughs> what kid got the breast pump? Like, what? what are, that would have been I like, would call be, the cops. Call I would be cops. so creeped out if a kid came to me and said, Santa gave me a breast pump. Like, who is this Santa? What does he look like? Where can I find him? He can't live near schools. That's a, well, <laughs> so I love that you say that because, all right, we're kind of jumping ahead, but I wanted to talk about the fact that Tommy, Tommy comes back and he's just like, hey, I wanted to exchange this toy. He's like, since you're the real Santa, which again, yeah, yeah, this bet, is something bet, else. You're the real Santa? All right. Since you're the real Santa, I wanted to change this truck in and ask for something more. And then Eric's like, what do you want? And he goes, I want parents for Christmas. Again, where are the adults? What are we doing? Yeah. But then the idea that later in the episode, Tommy just goes home with Eric. I was like, all right, so you let a unmarried 20-something stranger take a child back to his place? Yeah. For Christmas? <laughs> there was no... I want to know the conversation. Yeah, what, what happened? What paperwork did you sign? Y'all just hand over a child? Like, what are we doing? I, I, I'm so confused by it. There's no background <laughs> checks in the 90s, Siege. It's okay. I mean, <laughs> You're not he's a white guy. He's, a, he's yeah. Santa. He's Santa. Come on. That, that was my thing. I was fun. like, I love that you guys said this because I was literally looking at this being like, it's because he's white. And I, I, I know that plenty of people listen to us and... Uh, who are white and there's nothing wrong with being white but you gotta admit to be able to rent a child for the holidays <laughs> no background checks he is a single unmit like a gay couple with <laughs> 10 years of being together each with their own jobs like like they could not get a kid to be sent home with them with all the paperwork and background checks and all this other stuff so the idea that they just handed over a kid to shine without like someone also being like like it'd be different if like tommy came with a guardian yeah like let me come orphanage. with you like yeah. let someone from the orphanage come with you they just up gave him a kid. i if i could just uh back up a little bit because um when tommy comes back i saw this shit coming a mile away because you had gaslit an entire orphanage to thinking you were the real santa claus inevitably a child's gonna ask for parents like of course he's gonna <laughs> ask for a family and my favorite thing is that instead of eric just being like wow the consequence of me lying to children led to this kid making thinking that i can do the impossible for him that i can't and now i'm in the circumstance of my own making that i have to deal with no that's not what happens he goes god why did you send this kid to me i'm i'm you not going to take responsibility i'm you sent this to me and now i'm going to be on the mission and i'm going to do this and it's going to make me feel better year round and i can bring the spirit of christmas with me year round and it could just it's all self-serving it's all to make himself feel better he went to that orphanage took tommy left a room full of other kids <laughs> taking the one that looked like him and brought him home for a single night like dude what are we doing I'm not going to lie. At least he didn't pick the only mouse in the orphanage and take that home. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Room he didn't pull kids. What's that rat snake, Stuart? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's bring him home. Let's bring him home. Leave the human children. Uh, you see the rest of the kids in the orphanage being like, wait, 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 wait. What? I want to go. You're going with Santa? Yeah. 
Say that I yeah, wish for a family too. Santa. We all wish. We've been wishing for families for years, bro. Where you been? No, you got that toaster oven. <laughs> yeah, you asked for a toaster oven. <laughs> Careful uh, what you wish for. Do you guys have anything else to say? I mean, like clearly, as we said, this was. What is it about the Matthews boys? Because yes. it's crazy. Because Alan doesn't feel like he's this way, and he would raise two children who would be this way. But I don't know. Both of his kids. Like he has three. Maybe that's why they're going for a third boy. They're like, look, <laughs> you know, what's we got funny? it right with Morgan, but I don't know what we did with the first two. <laughs> you bring up a great point, And I think what this is, is the introduction of privilege. You have Alan who was like, hey, my dad spent 40 years with a broom in his hand. I was low income. And now I've ascended to this middle class life, upper middle class life providing all these things for you. And I can't figure out why my boys are so selfish, why they only want to do things that help themselves, why mm -hmm. they aren't considerate to other people's feelings. Like it's, it's a really interesting thing that I don't know that they meant to comment on, but is a kind of classic example of what happens to kind of introduce privilege to new generations when you're not um, kind of mentally prepared to offset that privilege with perspective. Yeah, we've seen shades of this from Alan too. I mean, he quit his his grocery job on a whim to start uh, to start that store without consulting with with Amy and you know or there are Eric, still, who he used Eric's Eric. college fund for exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. So there are. I was at first. I was like, yeah, where would these kids get this from? And I feel like it's just an augmented version of of Alan. He, he does. He's the same way. I don't know why Morgan didn't pick it up, or it just didn't write for her, but. We never see Morgan do anything like that, so don't we know. don't see Morgan. So that, there you go. Good point. If you guys told me that Morgan died in 1994 and we've just been seeing the ghost of Morgan, I would believe that. That is far more likely with how often yeah. she shows up. What do you? How do you think this feels as a Christmas episode? Oh, I think it's a great Christmas episode. It feels very Christmassy. I mean, although uh, Eric has this savior complex and it goes awry, like the the thought of giving and um you know doing you know donating and things like that for christmas that's all the elements of a christmas story i think that this is one of my least favorite christmas episodes that they've really? done and i only say that because i feel like this was kind of the worst things about Christmas in terms of selfishness, in terms of the way that people will use the Christmas season for their own benefit. Like, I felt like there was just a lot of that going on. And as annoyed as I was with Topanga in the A Very Topanga Christmas episode, um, I still think I preferred that Christmas episode to this one. Above that would probably be the first season's Christmas episode where Corey gives Sean the basketball that his parents can't afford to give him would yeah. probably be there. And then my favorite Christmas episode is the Easy Street, where Sean works at for the mob to get Christmas gifts for his parent for his family. Oh. And then Corey has to like convince him to stop working for the fucking mob um, <laughs> and spend Christmas with his family. And that Christmas is about more than buying gifts. To me, that's way more like Christmassy, like, hey, it's not about materialism. I didn't get any of that from this episode. I didn't feel like Christmas wasn't about materialism. I didn't feel like, hey, like family is all you need. I, I got that like, hey, these two kids ruined Christmas for an entire group of people just by focusing on themselves. <laughs> Like everyone's gonna wake everyone woke up to IOUs. <laughs> All right. That said, did you guys have a broad moment of this episode? Nettie, we're gonna start with you. Oh, it's it's the little boy pinching Rachel's butt. 
like you would never would you write that in these days after everything that we know now and how things were going back then in Hollywood no I don't think we would do that nowadays that's I was appalled um you you know not to repeat the same scene um the idea that Eric would hand over his dad's probably emergency credit card the week of Christmas it's saying hey max this out without any second guess to how that's going to affect his dad's credit or his financial future or what he's going to be able the to fact do that for bills expecting a baby <laughs> they have a baby on the way it's the it, it was so careless and selfish and i was just like wow okay christmas yeah sure whatever uh so that was that's a bra moment yeah uh i'm gonna go back to Nettie. like just the idea that they made the kid they made this edgar kid even be like whoa look at like they they as you said uh, t- they shoehorn sexualizing Rachel into this episode and I was like for what like you like you guys literally oh you guys we almost went a whole episode without sexualizing Rachel there is no reason for them mm-hmm. to be like oh wow this child thinks Rachel's hot she's so hot everyone no matter age is just like can I get a piece of that <laughs> it's really weird that they made that scene even happen and that's how children get indoctrinated to the patriarchy, bro. That said, I'm not going to lie, you guys. I did enjoy, like, this is like an anti moment or whatever. I really did enjoy when Rachel was like, what? I don't have any money. I'm yeah. here to help you. I was yeah. like, yes, this is a college student. <laughs> yes, this yeah. makes sense. <laughs> also, can I just, the one last thing I want to point out is the, uh, maybe this is kind of a bra moment that, uh, Eric's like, oh, I'm making $12 an hour being Santa Claus. And Feeney's like, $12 an hour, I wish. I was like, <laughs> bruh. Like, hey, teachers, more, please. Yeah, college professor. College and professor. That, that's decades and decades of, of experience. If he doesn't have let's tenure, not, who, let's not forget. I'm going to say, let's not forget. Yeah, he he stole someone else's job. So that's probably yeah. why he did it. He's, he's getting paid hourly. That's why they were like, yeah, we can let you teach a class if you're willing to take a pay cut. <laughs> mm, I think the dean has her own way of paying him. <laughs> you will keep driving that story in. <laughs> okay, um, then let's talk about... Grades? Uh, no, I was going to say what the Feeney lesson is. Oh, the Feeney lesson. Mm. Mm. What's the Feeney yeah. lesson? Um, let's temper reality when we talk to kids about Christmas and how much <laughs> you can do. Because the only 100%. people who can really participate in Christmas as we tell it are like rich kids and upper middle class kids who can afford those things. Don't tell a kid, as long as you're good, as long as you're good, you'll get what you want. Um, because th- things sell out. Money money problems happen. Kids have crazy imaginations. Like, let's temper reality. That kind of indoctrination of like, oh, good things happen to good people, or if your heart is pure, you'll get what you want, like type thing, is like what we were raised on. And to this day, I have to remind myself that like, if I had a bad week, it's not because I'm somehow a bad person or I made some kind of misstep earlier and I'm paying for it, you know? Like, does anyone else deal with that? I don't know. If I'm being honest, Siege, I think that's how uh, capitalism took a slave mentality and spread it out through commerce. I mean, if you do, if you behave, if you do well, you'll get the thing that you want. 
um american exceptionalism has a lot to play with in here like hey you know you'll be the best of the best you'll succeed past the others and if you do that you'll get what you want like it's it's all very toxic i mean eric really convinced an entire orphanage of kids that this one boy asked santa for a family and now he is i mean he eventually i mean no spoiler this kid does eventually get a family thanks to eric like he helps him find an actual family but like now all of these kids have to like deal with that and and to your point siege i think that media played a really big part in making me feel like a successful christmas was one when a kid was surprised by a tree that had a bunch of gifts under it home alone too when he comes to this hotel there's no reason for there to be gifts at this hotel no at all i don't know i still but, this day but <laughs> every person in this family has gifts with their names on it like it makes no sense but that's the spirit of christmas is is tied to gift giving and so i i think that Nettie just pointed out that like it, the way we talk about Christmas is really unhealthy to um, a majority of people who can't afford to participate in it. I, I really love that analysis. And yeah, I actually, I'm going to take that as my feeding lesson. <laughs> just going to take it because it's one I needed to hear. So, yeah. I mean, either that or just like, you know, take over everyone's Christmas because you want to do good things yourself. It's what we're actually, I mean, Chevy Chase does that. Uh, Scott Calvin does that. Like so many, like, people in these christmas media you know content it, it prioritizes the selfishness of one person for their own like i what i'm thinking of the most is bill murray and scrooge the way he literally goes nuts in the third act and like takes over an entire studio hostage for the purpose of spreading christmas spirit and people are just like <laughs> applauding him for it it's nuts it's wild it's such a reoccurring trope in so much christmas content from this era that it's hard to separate selfishness from christmas so it's really interesting how christmas has become or at least specifically around content this uh time you're right christmas really became like a no you have to force Christmas down people's throats. It's like, like the whole storyline of Feeney being like, oh man, I can't enjoy Christmas. And they're like, oh, all right, yeah, you can. You just gotta control people, make them enjoy Christmas. And it's like, doesn't matter if they don't want to or if they have family struggles or like Christmas just isn't something that they want to buy into. No, you get up in the morning, you decorate everything to be Christmas. You force everyone to sit and enjoy the type of Christmas you want to have. I I mean, from my perspective, I feel like historically Christmas was used as a way to prevent depression during the winter months, <laughs> like mm. as a, hey, mm. let's have something to look forward to during this time where we're traditionally without, you know, food and heat and, and or whatever. Like this is like something to kind of keep our minds focused on something positive. I mean, Jesus wasn't even born in, in December biblically so like it, it just all feels kind of constructed to kind of manipulate groups of people either for good or for bad well so. to be fair the first kind of christmas time if, you're, if we're talking about winter things that we're looking forward to it was an orgy so like, like, yeah. like and if you want people to get hot i ain't gotta bring anything but mm -hmm. me yeah. Like, yeah i got I some grapes i'm here <laughs> let's do this like, so that, like that, in the spirit of that, I can see people being, looking forward to it. Yo, we about to get wasted. We want to have a really good time. Uh, <laughs> the old fashioned Christmas, if we want to do that. Well, Net oh, uh, Nettie, if you don't mind me asking, do you have, do you have children? No. Okay. So a question for, for all of us, hypothetically, if we have kids, how do you talk to them about Christmas and Santa 
and avoid this? Like, what's the answer? What's the rebuttal to this critique? I don't want to be negative, but we got to bring in Santa. Can we just say, you know, the people, your parents who are working hard to provide for you will provide for you, not Santa. I don't want to be, I don't want to take the magic out of Christmas, but come on now. I was, I was going to say, I, I, I feel like I would just teach my children about holidays because like, I would like, we're going to a Hanukkah celebration this year and then we're doing Christmas. And as you had mentioned, Nettie Kwanzaa, like there are so many different celebrations that go on. Like I just did um, Dios de las Muertas for mm-hmm. a, around Halloween as well in Mexico. It's like, no, just to me, the proper thing to do is to teach your children about holidays and teach your children that this is a time that people celebrate in many different ways. Some people do Christmas, where Santa. Some people, you know, have religious holidays this time of year. It's very human to want to celebrate in this time of year. As you said, TC, it's like the winter months get a little bit colder and people want to have fun. And so we've, throughout time, created these moments of celebration um, that really bring people together. That's what I think would be the right thing to do. That way your kid, you know, they can find whatever holiday they feel well suited for and then embrace that. I've always been someone that's like, let your children know all the options and then just nurture whichever one that they are drawn to. And because they're kids and they're very influential, most of them will choose Christmas because what's not to love? Someone just gives you gifts. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, just let them know that that is one of many holidays. That's my answer. Yeah, I think that's true. That Just kind of think of it as traditions and just kind of make traditions to focus over gifts. Um, because I also think, and to kind of the flip side of this, I don't know if you guys have ever been around like kids who have gotten, or maybe you've been fortunate enough to be that kid who's just had so much gifts that like you see these kids getting gift fatigue like they're just like they can only open so many gifts they can only get so much new stuff and get excited about so much before they're just opening things and tossing it opening things and tossing it so like maybe just minimize the amount of gifts that like so christmas isn't this room full of presents it's like no you'll get a few things like i don't know i say that as a kid who always got a bunch of gifts even like when my parents were like struggling like they always worked hard but i think it's because of the pressure they felt to live up to that idea so just just maybe like stripping that idea away so i don't like give all the credit to this arctic slave owner who <laughs> gets all the credit for passing out gifts that he does not make um See, I, I would, you are <laughs> on an anti-christmas like i don't know, hey, what you know whoever is listening to this what? is gonna be like where what happened to the yeah i don't know what happened to t y'all but he is out for santa this week he no, i just i just like no i just i i think you know kind of removing santa as the centerpiece removing gift giving as the centerpiece is the way that we can kind of decommercialize christmas but it feels very hard to do that when all of media is telling us the opposite so yeah, and kids go to school and they see what their friends got and they talk about what Santa's going to get them and everything mm-hmm. like that. And to be the one kid that's like, well, actually, yeah. Santa's Santa's pretty much a colonizer. So um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not, it doesn't like, go over well. <laughs> I would put it past this younger generation because yeah. these kids are savvy. So I would not put it past kids these days to learn and be like, yo, how much is Santa paying these elves? Do they get time <laughs> off? Like, yeah. what's their benefit package? Do they unionize? Like, I would not put it past any of these kids because these kids are the upcoming generation. They're pretty smart. 
And I think that has a lot to do as well with the fact that when we were children, children, I mean, I remember a point where I had like 12 channels to choose from, like the amount of content I was getting was so homogenized compared to now where the internet has created connections with the globe in such a way that I'm getting introduced to traditions and holidays via social media a lot of times that I wasn't even familiar with just expanding my perspective and worldview consistently and that's I mean for the younger generation to always have that to your point maybe it's not going to be a big thing for them to consider a perspective other than an American white Christmas um last thoughts what grades what grade are you guys giving this episode I give this episode a B um you know, Eric, Eric's whole like God complex thing kind of turned me off. And I would have loved a little more Angela and Sean than being together. But, you know, that's what I love and didn't get that much. But it was overall to me a good episode. I give this episode a C. To me, this is one of my least favorite Christmas episodes. Like I said, um, I thought Eric and Corey were pretty intolerable the entire time. Um, like if it were Christmas season, I wouldn't see. I haven't sought to put this on. You know how like in the t- Halloween, I'll throw on and then there was Sean. But for I never put on this episode because it bums me out. Like the whole thing with Sean and, and Angela, it's a bummer. It's a, it's a bummer Christmas episode. So um, for that reason, I give it a C. And I, I again, Eric... I'm so sorry to say this, but at a certain point, he's like, oh, why do I always come to you when I need something? I'm like, there's been no setup for this. There's been no like Eric meets God storyline to like prompt this. It all just felt so sloppy. It just felt like we're putting together a generic sitcom Christmas episode. So for that reason, I give it my grade. Uh, That's uh, I'm going to go in between both of you and give this a C plus, but the C plus is because there are two storylines that do connect. I do feel like that um, the subjects that we tackled were at least given arcs, you know, like the beginning, middle, end. Uh, but T, you pointed like the acting was really good. I feel like the Sean, the Sean and Angela scene really tense. That's that's bringing some drama into this situation. I was like, there was a scene with. Ben Savage that I thought was hilarious, which was when um, Tamika goes, "Aren't you gonna go yay?" And he goes, "Actually, I don't want to be predictable." And I was like, <laughs> yeah. "You know, that was that was fun. I had fun with that scene. Um, I did think that even the Eric and this scene had a lot of diversity. You know, so I was like, there are moments where I'm like, oh, you guys did things right, but T, you're also right that there's certain things where I was like, it's also kind of lazy writing. You guys could have done a little bit more, and we literally." in on a down note so yeah i I agree c plus c plus okay how about homework nettie let us know what you got for homework my homework is a netflix documentary i just came out it's called pepsi where's my jet Ooh, you got me i'm interested (laughs) it's a four-part series and it's based on the 1996 sweepstakes where I don't know if you guys remember, there was a commercial where you buy Pepsi, you look under the cap, you get points from every Pepsi you buy and you accumulate those points, turn them in and you get like a shirt. Maybe there's like 300 points for a hat, um, things like that. So they had a commercial where they listed all the things you could get and how many points you could get. And then at the very last scene, they show the main character of this commercial in a Harrier jet, like a military fighter jet. Mm. It said 7 million points. Harrier jet. No disclaimer. So some kid was watching, some college kid was watching and of was like, they huh, were. 
<laughs> seven million points. I could, I think I could work that if I buy enough Pepsi. So the whole thing is him trying to accumulate the points and buy all the Pepsi to get the seven million to get the the Harrier jet, and how Pe- uh, Pepsi reacted to that, and it, it matches very well with what we saw today with kind of building yourself up to make promises that you can provide or give someone a gift that you don't even know if you can give them. And then someone calling you on that and being like, well, actually, I think I do want that big ass Harrier jet. Can you figure it out? Cause I, I did what I was supposed to do. I got the points. So check that out. It was really good. Pepsi, where's my jet? Oh, I, you, you sold me on this. And I think it's hilarious because you're right in the sense of I it's, I see stuff like this all the time. And as someone who works in like a company or whatever, the number of times, and I don't know if there were any black people in this room, and I don't even know if this is a black people thing, but I do know that they'll be like, and we can have like a carrier jet for like seven million points. And I was like, all right, but can we get a carrier jet? Right. And they're no like, I kid you not, every single time they're like, ain't nobody gonna be earning seven million points. And I'm like, but what if they do? And they always look at you like you crazy. <laughs> Yeah. And then yeah. this stuff, stuff like this happens, and I'm just like, I yeah. specifically remember uh, Taco Bell doing promotion for Batman and Robin when that movie came out, in like '97, where they were like, "Oh, you can win a Batmobile." And to this day, I'm like, "Who the hell won that Batmobile? Someone Where's won. that? Did someone win it? Like, did they just promise it? I want to know who has it." Um, yeah. I'm gonna have to Google that, but yeah, I'm very interested like, in that doc. We just want you to buy more tacos, or we yeah. just want you to buy more Pepsi. We didn't think you'd actually do it, you yeah. know. And y'all, each and every time, never underestimate people. Like, do y'all remember Movie Pass when they were like, "How many movies can someone possibly watch?" <laughs> very quickly. Yeah. Uh, T, what's your homework? Um, speaking of documentaries, I just saw this new one on Netflix called "Is That Black Enough for You?" It's oh. a documentary that goes into, um, I guess, black exploit black exploitation films of the 70s but really just kind of um indie black films that even predate at that time and um the techniques that black filmmakers had to use during a time where they weren't being shown widely and and the whole history of of filmmaking from that perspective um dating all the way back to like the late 1800s like black people were making film just just it's a history that i did not know and it's really rich it made me appreciate the that black exploitation era of the 70s a lot more because I always thought it was kind of tropey, but I found out mm-hmm. that a lot of the film films that were made were made by black filmmakers who had a really v- real voice about what was happening politically at the time that I have never been exposed to. And one of my biggest learns that I'm just going to throw out there and not to spoil too much, but um, is that one of the ways that these movies would market themselves is that they were like, hey, what if instead of doing what everyone else is doing, where they release their soundtrack six months after the movie comes out, what if we release our soundtrack six months before the movie comes out? And what if we get Isaac mm. Hayes to write the, the theme songs? What if we get Marvin Gaye to do the soundtrack? Mm. What if we get popular artists to do music for our movies as promotion before the movie even comes out? And so a great example of that is if you watch the opening scene of Shaft, it's Shaft just strutting down the street as Isaac Hayes' song plays in the background. And they were talking about like how monumental it was to see a black man with that confidence, just like, I'm Shaft, motherfucker. Like, it was just such like a switch. <laughs> and then they talked about how um, it was replicated almost beat for beat. If you watch Saturday Night Fever, you see a white John Travolta yeah. strutting down the street, this time to the Bee Gees. But using a soundtrack that was promoted 
promoting the film before the movie came out, taking that technique that had been perfected by the black community and applying it to a white audience. And then that movie and that soundtrack became the benchmark for how you do soundtracks going forward. So to know that that was originally a black creation was like a mind blowing learn. And um, just to go along with a lot of the things I learned watching that doc. So I myself, I'm not going to lie. I look, I've been watching a lot of stuff and a lot of it's not really hidden. Like, like, like for me, I was just like, I was watching stuff and I was like, what do I want to recommend? Like, what? So I'm going to, I'm going to switch it up, which I do every once in a while. You know what hit this week for me? A peach pie. I got myself a peach pie. I can put some ice cream on that bad boy. Y'all know how I feel about pie. My homework this week is get you some pie. <laughs> like, I, like I, I kid you not. <laughs> Siege, if if I if I could just add a recommendation to you based off of that, just because I'm on the East Coast, I'm with family right now for Thanksgiving. Um, Krispy Kreme has released these almost what? like Krispy Kreme has released these mini Krispy Kreme donut pies. So, like the mini pie box comes with a mini like lemon. Uh, a pecan, uh, an apple, and a pumpkin. And like, I'm, I highly recommend this to you as a person who is also a pie aficionado. Bruh, if you find this, <laughs> get it, get it. It's worth it. That pumpkin pie, Krispy Kreme donut was surprisingly good. Uh, I'm so excited. But also, I just want to acknowledge like a lot of you, like if you're watching the YouTube version of this, maybe you can see it. The look that, came across both Nettie and I's face when he said Krispy Kreme. We were like, go on. <laughs> you got my attention. Where is this? I don't even know where this is going, but I, I can tell going. I'm like... going with you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, I love it so much. All right, uh, Nettie, can you tell uh, our listeners about your podcast, your Oh Hell Yes podcast? Yeah, so it's Oh Hell Yes, Girlfriends Podcast. If you guys love Black sitcoms, UPN era, we go through each episode of Girlfriends and we discuss all the messiness, all the gossip, all the styles. Uh, me and my co-host, Etsy Rowe. Uh, it's a weekly podcast. If you guys want to join us, check out your favorite podcast platform and we are on there. And uh, yeah, we've been doing it for a couple of years now and it's really fun. We tell it like it is. No no censorship on us. So Etsy is straight. I, I met her and I immediately enjoyed her vibe. She was like straightforward realness. <laughs> Uh, I really like. I really had fun on their pod, uh, which I recorded um, just this past week. And like, I love me girlfriends. I, if anyone's listened to us before, you know that I love girlfriends. And when it yeah. was put on streaming, I was like, like this is this is me now. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's it's a oh, such a great show. It's like it's the same feelings I get from watching Boy Meets World, but a little better because. I more get the jokes and they're a little more woke on girlfriends, obviously, yeah. but um, it's that comfort food, that TV comfort food, you know? So yeah. it's a fun time. Uh, I also remember like there was a time earlier where right before, I think it's because I knew you were going to be on this episode for, yeah. but for whatever reason, I got squirrel friends in my head and I was singing the song with my, my squirrel friends. <laughs> uh, and I just felt like that was like a good TV version like you know, like how sometimes TV will have like a version of a show that you've been watching, but like adjust it a little bit okay. just for comedy sake. So <laughs> this is prime about... scenes. You took 
girlfriends and plays with squirrels boy meets world merged it oh my squirrel friends but would you not watch that show <laughs> about the about, like about four squirrels with? dealing with love and, and life in the city yes yes <laughs> <laughs> they go nuts they go nuts. Yeah, that uh, was, that look, is, that, is that your tagline <laughs> It's going nuts. Oh, I get it. I'm slow. It's early. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Nettie, for joining us. Uh, really enjoyed. I'm really happy to have Absolutely. you. Absolutely. So happy yeah. to have Fun you. On. Hopefully, you can Thank hop on again. Uh, T, is there anything else you want to say before we hop off this? Uh, no, just like as always, check us out wherever you're listening to podcasts. We're on YouTube, um, video episodes on Spotify. You guys can leave uh, voice messages on our anchor website, which that links in the description. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Thank you guys so much. I guess this is the time that we tell our audience to remember to dream, to try, and do good. Do good. Yay! <laughs> Later, bro. Later, bro. When the spawn meets world.